Thanks for tuning into McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. You might hear us referring to a phone number to call as this podcast is taken from a live radio show. Instead of calling the phone number, you can get in touch with us on our website at McNamaraFinancial.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We have a text line now, which is so great. This is... Tim and I were just talking off air that it's been years in the making and I used to actually carry around, it had to be five or six years ago, Tim, we had a separate (laughs) cell phone dedicated for the show Mm -hmm. and I would carry it to the studio on Saturday mornings so that people could text in and we didn't do it long enough that we really had a lot of traction with it Mm -hmm. and then we lost the phone and then... Yep, it walked away. And then that was years and years ago. But I'm not getting used um, enough here. I'm out. Yeah, so... If, so we are live Saturday mornings. If you want to ask us a question and are uncomfortable calling the studio, you can text your questions to 781-837-4900. This morning, I'm going to talk about retirement planning, very generic term, but I wanted to add some color to that and maybe walk through an exercise. It's hard. Obviously, I can't show reports on the air, but I can talk through them and explain to people what retirement planning really means, why it's important for many people anyway, how you would prepare for it, how to go about it, and help people understand how, how to just how to think about it and what softwares can do and how they can help people and how, selfishly speaking, a little self-promotion, how advisors can... Um, help clients think about this and accomplish retirement and model different things and solve these problems. So it's a little bit tricky to do on the air, but we've done it before. We'll do it again. And we're going to talk about this morning. So I'm calling this retirement planning 201 and I'll really quickly give retirement planning 101, but then I do want to get into some detail. And as I was preparing for the show this morning, was thinking it would be great to have a test case or a client that were potential client or person that would offer some information anonymously, of course, offer up some information for me to have actual data and actually do a retirement plan and a model on the air. Again, we've done this before. We've asked for volunteers and I thought it would be great to do that again. When I go through the model this morning, I'm using hypothetical married couple and loosely based off of a lot of people that I've met, right? This, the married couple that I'll go through the scenario that I'll walk through today is I think similar to maybe many, but it would be great to do this with actual data. So if you are someone that is, I would say like mid fifties to sixties, not yet retired, don't have a retirement plan, maybe don't have an advisor that you're working with, want some help figuring out if you can retire. And if you would like to do this in sort of a casual way and offer up some information so that we could do this on air for you, I would actually do a retirement plan for you, but I would do it on air. We would change names and all that stuff. You could join me on air or I could just take the data and you could listen as I create your retirement 
retirement plan on the air. That would act, that would be cool as well. So if interested, if you want an actual professional to do this for you, you'd have to do some homework, submit some data, and I would do the retirement model on air. I think that would be a great show and obviously, and, and I think would be helpful to the person volunteering the data. And I would follow up and, and have a conversation one-on-one and actually work through that with you. If interested, again, you can call the studio. You could give Tim, Tim your name and contact information and we'll go from there, 781-837-4900. You could also just call our office and volunteer from that. I would guess, I don't know the date, we would need a few weeks to figure out getting the data and then doing the plan on the air, but we can do the details. So if you want to volunteer, 781-837-4900, you'd submit some information to me and I would do a retirement model for you live on the air and actually help you figure out if you're on a good track for retirement. Okay, but today we'll use a hypothetical client that I've created. Again, we're going to talk Retirement Planning 201, which is a detailed explanation of the, the process that is retirement planning and what's, what advisors and softwares and retirement models can do, what, the, what problems can they solve, what questions can they answer, how you think about it, how you prepare for it, et cetera. Just really quickly to back up, Retirement Planning 101, what does this really mean? And so basically... A lot of people, everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people want to know when can I afford to retire? Am I on a good track to retire at at a normal retirement age, for example, mid 60s? Some people want to know if they're on a good track to retire early. Can I, or, or can I retire in my 50s? Can I retire in my early 50s? Can I take a sabbatical and not have income for a year or two and then go back to work? That's not, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call that retirement planning. I would call that sabbatical planning actually, but, but re- the process of retirement planning is helping people figure out when they can either stop working completely or when they can slow down and, and accept less income, consulting or part-time work or whatever. And when can they afford to do that such that they don't have to worry about running out of money? The process of retirement planning is helping to figure all that out. We're making a lot of different assumptions. We hone something that is not just done once and then set it and forget it. You hone it over time as you get closer, as things change in the world and in the markets and the value of your portfolio and in your life that you just change it over time and hone it. Retirement planning 101 is when can when can I retire? You want to put aside money in a retirement portfolio or in, in, in an account, save it for later. That could be combination retirement assets, non-retirement assets, cash. So set aside money for the future. In general, you want to pay off or pay down your debt so that you're debt-free or close to it in retirement. And you want to pay attention to, know, know what your spending needs are. And, and then, and the hard part lies, so th- those are, s- those first three, pay attention to your spending, know what you roughly need every month, pay down your debt, save some money. I shouldn't say those are easy, but the concept is easy to understand, right? Those are, the, they're easier said than done, of course, in reality, but the concept is simple. The complicated part of retirement planning comes when someone in retirement has to take money out of their portfolio or take money from their cash or whatever. Draw money out of somewhere. Most people need that to supplement fixed income like social security. So most people need to take from their money in retirement to to live their life. So the complicated part is making sure that you're taking an amount from your money that's small enough that your money lasts long enough. We don't exactly know how long enough is, but we would generally use statistical life expectancies or be conservative using age 85, 90, something like that, whatever you prefer. So we're guessing on that a little bit, but the complicated part is how much 
can I take? And is that small, a small enough amount factoring in inflation and earnings on my money? And is that a small enough amount that my money is going to last long enough? So that's where the complications lie and that's where it can be difficult to calculate. Um, because we do have to consider inflation on expenses and model that. We do have to consider return on your money, whether it's cash in the bank or whether it's your invested portfolio. We also have to factor in not just average returns on your money. We have to factor in variations in returns, or we should, I should say, I'll t- and I'll touch on that a little bit more this morning, but we should factor in that when you're an investor, if your portfolio can average, for example, 6% per year, you're not getting 6% every single year. You are having good years and bad years and over long periods of time, maybe they average 6%, but what does that really mean? There's all this research in our world regarding how important actually timing of returns are like in retirement, it's better for you, if you're gonna average 6%, it's better for you to have your good years at the beginning and your bad years at the end. It's worse if you have bad years at the beginning and good years at the end. So we have to factor in variations in investment returns if you have dollars invested as most retirees, at least the ones that I work with, know. Excuse me, they have. So so these are very complicated and it also can be thinking about how finances may change in your future can be complicated as well. And in in terms of you might... should be able to figure, it takes time and effort, but should be able to figure out what you're spending now. That's a, again, it's difficult and you'd have to spend time on it, but it can be done. People can put in the effort and the time to figure out what they have been spending, at least in the last year or two, at least annually, and make some guesses about like average monthly based on that. But the, the difficult, another difficulty be, becomes figuring out how that will change. We're thinking about how that will change. What might go away? What might come into my life? For example, if I have kids and they're going to hopefully be financially independent one day, what expenses will go away? What expenses will come into my life later? Maybe I want to travel. Maybe I want to play more golf. Maybe I want to help my grandkids pay for their college education. So what might come into my life in terms of financial obligations? or desires and what might leave my life. What about larger expenditures that aren't regular? It's easy. I shouldn't use the word easy, but it can be done to itemize regular spending like utilities and gas for your car and grocery bills and things like that. But what about accounting for irregular things, car purchases, larger scale renovations to the home, or I should say maybe upkeep or things that need to be replaced in the home. There's always something when you're a real estate owner, there's always something that needs to be done to to keep the value of that home up and keep it up as a place you want to live. Accounting for those types of things, accounting for real estate moves can be quite complicated. Also that if you're a married couple, what happens if I should say when, generally when, what happens when one of you outlives the other, doing some sort of survivor analysis type calculation that can be complicated. And also 
thinking about the potential under the heading of another expense that might come in your life as people age, very common to need services and home care or care somewhere else and just help around the house as you age, very common and not something that people necessarily want to plan for, but it's just very common. So it's just, it's, it can be very complicated. I'll spend some time talking through how people can, I've actually seen people somewhat simplistically, but I've seen them do retirement models just using spreadsheets. It's not that it can't be done. It's just there are things that are easier done with software and models can be easier and we can add more layers of complication using software and models versus versus a spreadsheet analysis. Again, it's not that it can't be done, but it's just more difficult to do that and factor in all these different things and potential things and change things easily and rework the numbers. Okay, so that's like retirement planning 101, save some money, pay down your debt, make sure you know what you're spending, make sure your draw from your portfolio is small enough that your money lasts long enough. Okay, so retirement planning 201. I wanted to get into some detail and I think maybe I'll spend the next few minutes talking about how people can prepare and think about preparing to do a retirement model because there is some homework. And then after we break at 9.30 and then after that, we'll maybe run some I'll run some models and change some things and see, we'll see how things change and we'll actually get into looking at a model. I can look at the model and and you guys can listen (laughs) as I explain what I'm looking at. No, it'll be good. I've done this on the air before. It's great. Like I said, there are, I don't think necessarily everyone needs a retirement plan. I think a lot of people could benefit from a retirement plan, but if you are people that have pensions that it's becoming more rare for people to retire with sizable pensions but certain categories uh, of, of workers do still have great pensions for example municipal workers federal workers in the federal pension system teachers in, in mass teachers retirement for example there's, there's a lot of categories of people that still will retire with great pensions that could be 80 percent of their income for example that, that that may be a category of people that don't might not need a retirement plan as much as others that will be relying more heavily on your portfolio because if you are if you will be in a position where your fixed income in retirement and by fixed income social security or pension i guess we could lump annuity income in there if you have a sizable annuity and you've what we call annuitized meaning you're going to have guaranteed income for life than by an insurance company. Then it, so for people that have fixed guaranteed income that is guaranteed to last their lifetime and, and, never, and not go away, so social security, pension, and annuity income, again, I'm gonna caveat that by saying if you have annuitized, so you're having, the insurance company is saying, I'm gonna send you this money every month for the rest of your life, guaranteed, backed by the full faith and credit of the insurance company, then those, if your sources of fixed income, if you have one or multiple sources of fixed income like that, and if you have gone through this exercise to know that your living expenses are, uh, I guess I'll say equal to or less than your after-tax fixed income, then maybe you don't really have a great need for a retirement model because you know that your fixed income is going to meet your expenses. I, it, it, maybe it's not quite that simplistic because many sources of fixed income 
don't quite keep up with inflation. Social Security is an example of a fixed income that at least as of late has kept up with inflation, that we've had high inflation. There have been sizable increases, cost of living increases on Social Security benefits. Social Security has about kept up with inflation, depending on the metrics you're looking at. I don't know if that will always be the case, actually, given the health of the Social Security system, but that's a conversation for another day. But many pensions don't quite keep up with cost of living. For example, some of them, the first 12 or 15,000 of annual benefits will keep up with inflation, then everything else stays flat. Or maybe there's no cost of living adjustments, or maybe it's really small. So make sure you know that, how your fixed income, at least historically, has increased with cost of living adjustments, if at all. Some pensions stay flat. And like I said, some, the first... Not uncommon for the first twelve thousand of an sixty thousand dollar, eighty thousand dollar pension. Maybe a small amount is keeping up with cost of living, but not all of it. If at retirement your fixed income meets your expenses, great. That's awesome. That's a great position to be in. But just bear in mind that expenses probably will go up over time with inflation. And will your fixed income do the same? And if the answer is no then maybe you could benefit from doing some calculations. Okay, hopefully you have other money somewhere that you can draw from if and when inflation starts to catch up with you and you need to draw from somewhere to meet those higher expenses if your fixed income hasn't kept up with that. So that's just something to bear in mind. But there are some people that have expenses such that in retirement, their fixed income will cover it or mostly cover it. And if so, that's a great financial position to be in. I've met a lot of people over the years where, and like I said, great position to be in if you're whatever sources of fixed income you have, if those can meet like your basic living expenses, that's pretty comforting for people to know, especially if there's especially if given that conversation regarding cost of living adjustments, if there's no real concerns there. If you're fixed income meets your expenses, and then maybe, again, hopefully there are some assets somewhere to fall back on, maybe those are used for discretionary spending like vacations and travel vacations, gifting to kids, grandkids. Maybe it's used for the upkeep to the home, intermittent, somewhat unpredictable upkeep to the home, stuff like that. that. That's a great position to be in, and depending on the size of the assets, then maybe a, a real formal retirement plan isn't needed. But that's like kind of the only category of people that I can think don't might maybe don't really need a very sophisticated plan if fixed income is going to meet expenses. And, and again, that's a great financial position to be in. But having said that, pensions have been frozen. Many have been gone away, frozen over time. Pensions have phasing out and it's more common for retirees to have to rely on their own savings and portfolio to support their own retirement. So many people will be important for them to go through this exercise of making sure that what they have to support themselves in retirement is large enough. It will last long enough and hence the importance of retirement planning. All right. So how to prepare. Got a few minutes. I'll just talk about how to think about this and prepare. First of all, this is 
this is uh, number crunching, data gathering. A lot of the preparation can be done by just gathering stuff, gathering financial statements, grabbing a tax return that's recent, grabbing your pay stubs, grabbing statements for any debts that you have, mortgages, home equity lines, any other debts you might carry, just bank balances, where's your money, how is it invested? So a lot of that is just rounding stuff up. And I... I love going through that stuff. I, I'm a numbers person. I love grabbing data, throwing it in, digging through all that. So when I go through this process with my clients, I don't need my clients to really digest the information that they're gathering. I just gather the stuff, give me the documents, upload it, drop it to my office, whatever, and I'll dig through it and pull the numbers out that we need. So that part of the preparation is the easier part. The harder part is determining what, Itemizing expenses is a cumbersome time, time, can I, I was going to say a word that I probably shouldn't say on live air, but it's a time, you know what, it's a lot of time and effort to go through and, and itemize expenses. And I do want to spend a little bit of time on that. So maybe we'll do that after the break. And I found some resources that can be helpful for people in, in trying to do that. But it's just a really, I hate the word budget. I've said that 150 times on the air over the years. I, I don't like that word. I like, I prefer expense itemization just because everyone is different. Everyone spends money in on different things of different amounts. Everyone has different values. I can't, that, that like knowing what people spend and how they spend their money and what they do in their life is like just something that I can't do. I can go through averages and stuff like that. Like I know what gas costs and roughly what food costs for a family of four. But other than that, lifestyle stuff, activities, I got nothing. And it's something that I can't do and I need people to do that for me. I'll spend a little bit of time on that and then we'll run through some models after the break. So you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm talking about retirement planning this morning. Retirement planning 201. I want to get into some detail about what this means. What is retirement planning? What can the software do for me? What questions can it answer? How do I think about it? How do I prepare for it? Why might I need it? And we'll get into that a little bit more after the break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Here's what people want to know about me. Are you a fiduciary? Are you independent? And thus are your recommendations for me in my best interest? Are your costs reasonable? Can you help me with my money and making a plan for my future? Fortunately, the answer to all of those questions is yes. Call my office to find out more. 781-834-2010. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. I'm speaking English. It's so funny that my dad says that. I just picked up on that. He just means speak at a level that many people can understand. Yes. Yes, A common level. Which is very important in our business, as I've learned over the years. He taught me that very early on in my career. But yeah, now I... and. I'm one of those people that I need to see things for myself to really believe it. But yeah, <laughs> I get it. It's important for people to to not speak over anyone's head. and yeah, Don't use too much financial yeah. jargon. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we digress. We're doing some retirement planning this morning where my, my purpose for today's show is to let people know, help people understand what that means. It's a very generic term, but I want people to know why it might be important for them to go through this process and what questions it can answer, what problems it can can solve things to think about why it, why it's important, etc. So I'm super excited because we did get someone to volunteer to submit some actual, real live financial data so that I could do a retirement planning 
our retirement model on the air with someone's actual data and go through the exercise of, is this person on track to retire at a certain age? And if not, what can we do differently? How can we change the model and really work through an actual plan? So that's great. So stay tuned. That'll uh, that will be in the coming weeks, months, hopefully something in that range. That'll be great. We've done that before and that's great. I would, if anyone else wants to volunteer, I would take a couple volunteers. So w- what this means is if you don't have a, f- if you've never gone through a planning exercise, if you don't have an advisor that you're working with, and if you want me to do a plan for you live on the air with your actual data, we would change your name. Of course, everything would be anonymous. You can join me in studio or on the phone or not, or I can just work through it and make assumptions. It's great if you can join because I'll have questions as I go through. If you're uncomfortable joining, I'll just make assumptions and then we'll follow up after, but no cost. Just thank you for volunteering your data and making for a great show for us. But if we've got one volunteer, thank you very much. I'll be in touch. And if anyone else wants to volunteer, I would take one more. 781-837-4900. If you want to call the studio and leave your contact information for Tim, you could also just call our office 781-834-2010 and we'll go from there. So that'll be very fun. And thank you to our volunteer. All right. How to prepare for the retirement planning process. Again, before the break, gather, gather data, financial statements of debts, assets, pay stubs, stuff like that. That's all the easier part. The more difficult part is I need to know, I can't do this well without knowing what someone needs monthly on average or annually in order to do an accurate model, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So I need good data. And the hardest thing, the, it's impossible for me to know what someone spends on average because everyone's life is different. Everyone has different values and spends money on different things and has different needs and different homes and all that stuff, of course. So the expense itemization process is very important. And I need, when I go through this process, I need people to do a good job with it. There's never any judgment on my part. I've seen everything over the years. This is my 21st year in this business. I've seen everything. There's never any judgment. Everyone's life is different. I just need the numbers. If there, there are, there's the rare occasion where someone will submit to me expenses and ask me for feedback on it. What do you think? Am I spending too much in XYZ category? That, but that's rare because that, and I'm always, if you want me to comment, I will and compare to on averages, I will, but I, I, that's really not where I see my value. What my value is maybe if we determine that spending is too high to accomplish certain goals, I can give guidance regarding, okay, if spending was closer to this lower number, that would be better to accomplish XYZ goal. And then you determine where you want to cut back. That's really not my place, right? So never any judgment. Anyway, best way to do an expense itemization is to grab a budget worksheet, a budget template, a, a template from somewhere so that and start filling it out and going through your bank statements and your credit card statements and go back at least 12 months. It's a lot of work. You need a few hours probably to do it well. But the people that look at a category and estimate just off the top of their head, it's probably going to be too low. People are always surprised to know that they spend more than they think they spend. 
and actually going back and looking through the data is very important. And myself included, I've gone through this process several times in my own life and you go through and you're like, oh yeah, I think I spend 500 bucks a month on this. And then you go back and you're like, oh man, it's higher than that. <laughs> and so in myself included, and again, no judgment, it's just very, it's just very common. I really, I have some templates that I can send to people. Some people like are, are good with spreadsheets on their computer and can fill out spreadsheets online. Some people just want like a piece of paper to fill it in. Either one works. I actually just Googled Google sheet budget template. And of course, Google has a personal monthly budget template. So if you use Google Drive and Google Sheets and all that, Google, Google sheet budget template, and it, it actually pulls up a very nice, this morning was the first time I looked at that, pulls up a very nice, you just do a copy and save to my own Google Drive. And it pulls out like a lovely, colorful, nicely formatted and all the formulas are in there so that if you fill in a monthly expense and it's doing all the math for you and totaling things. So that's pretty cool. And I looked at it and it does have, it has a lot of different categories. The reason I think people need to look at a budget template to do this exercise is because if you don't, you will forget about things. Everyone will write down heat, electric, cable and Wi-Fi, cell phone, food, gas, maybe car payment, and maybe like a couple other things. But there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that you forget that's not regular. It's the irregular stuff that you'll just end up forgetting if you're not looking at a budget template. For example, one of my the templates that I use, for example, under housing, right? Everyone will come up with the basic utilities, of course, that you're paying those monthly and all that, maybe the house cleaner or whatever. But what about the irregular stuff like snow plowing, like spraying for bugs if you live in a wooded area? Up, upkeep can be hard to itemized because it's always different. It's always different amounts. But I feel like I went through this period of time where everything I was doing to my home was like $2,000. That was years ago. Now everything you want to do is $5,000, right? So anyway, just going through and looking at a sheet to be like, oh yeah, oh, that's, oh, we got to figure out that. Clothing, clothing is somewhat a regular, looking back to see what did I spend last year on clothing or hair and nails, stuff like that. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to harp on that. I don't want to waste too much time on that, but it's just really important for this planning exercise to have good data regarding average monthly expenses. And those monthly expenses should include a monthly allocation for stuff that's paid annual. If you book a trip a year and you spend 10 grand on it, when we do average monthly expenses, it should include like 800 bucks a month for travel because you're spending 10 grand a year. And it should include the stuff that's not regular that's just going to come up for the house. It should include like an allocation for upkeep to my home if you're a homeowner, right? Because there's always something. You don't want to go through this and just come up with the fixed regulars and not account for the other stuff because it's going to throw off the whole model. Anyway, all right, I'm done. But that's really important. It's also just important for people to know what they're spending monthly anyway. It's just, it's good for your financial well-being, present and future, to know roughly what you're spending because that that backs into what's my ability to save? What's Hopefully there's an ability to save. What's the difference between my take home and my spending when in your working years, which would determine ability to save? Anyway, okay. Let's jump into the software that we use. There's a lot of different softwares out there. There, there's, there are things that you can even play around with yourself online. I haven't played around with many of those recently. There's calculators you can find to do stuff in a simplistic way. N nothing really wrong with that. I just prefer when I go through this process for my clients, I prefer to be very detailed. My models can be quite complicated and we can 
factor in a lot of different things, but there's a lot of different softwares I've used a lot over the years. I currently use one that, I don't know, I'm just, I can do it very quickly. I'm comfortable with the data entry. I know, it's also important to me to know how the software thinks. And I know when I put a piece of data somewhere, I know how the software is going to use it. And then, and then I can manipulate the model because I know how the model is working. Anyway, that's, that's the engineer in me. I need to know how it's working so that I can use it most effectively though. Anyway, there's a lot of different softwares out there in our industry and one's not necessarily better than the other. This is just the one that I'm comfortable with. Okay. So let me just describe the, I went with a married couple this morning. Let me just describe this married couple. Again, I think it's I feel like I've met several married couples with financial situations and of ages somewhat like this. So I'm trying to be somewhat realistic. Of course, everyone's different. But anyway, I went with a married couple ages 55 and 53. Wait, wait, let me confirm that because, yeah, ages 55 and 53. I'm going to assume that this married couple has children that are still financially dependent on them. I didn't put in actual ages for the children yet. I thought we could work through that live. But let's assume that there are some kid-related expenses. We'll talk about college in a little bit, but kid-related expenses like feeding the kids and maybe they're still paying gas for the car and their cell phones and stuff like that. But we'll factor in that some expenses in their future will hopefully go away soon when the kids are financially independent themselves. So this married couple ages 55 and 53, between the two of them, they make $250,000 a year. They each have a 401k with their employer. For now, I have them each putting 10% of that 401k, 10% of their income into the 401k and the employer is matching, I think I did three to 4%. Between the two of them, 25,000 a year going into 401ks and their employer is matching a reasonable match on that. This couple also has some cash in the bank for emergencies. They have $60,000, $80,000 cash in the bank for emergencies positioned there. They have some non-retirement money. Let's assume they either inherited money from somewhere or they just accumulated some assets outside of retirement plans. They've got $250,000 of monies outside of retirement plan. And between the two of them, ages 55 and 53, they have $1.25 million in their 401ks. Um, this, I was going to say the specifics don't really matter, but just, I'm just giving the data so that we can w- work through the model. And I don't know, I just like numbers. I think it's helpful to know these numbers. Obviously that's part of the process is knowing the numbers. This couple, I'm going to make the assumption that they are, again, they're saving $25,000 a year into their retirement plans. And then I'm going to assume that they're spending everything else that comes in the door after taxes. So the software will look at their gross income. It knows what they're putting in their 401ks. I'm assuming they're making deductible contributions to their 401ks. They are, the software will calculate federal state payroll taxes on their, on their gross income. And then I'm just assuming that there's basically cash flow break even after that. They're just spending everything else that comes in the door on various categories in their life. And I think the specifics in terms of where they're spending money doesn't matter so much. I didn't do a very detailed itemization for them. Tisk tisk, as I was just talking about how important all the detailed expense itemization is, but for purposes of radio this morning, I just have them in broad categories. This married couple it has a reasonable amount of debt. They have just 
$100,000 left on their mortgage. So they've done well accumulating assets. They've done well keeping debt to a minimum. We'll talk about college in a moment. But for now, let's just do a quick model, meaning I can have the software calculate are these, is this married couple on a good track for retirement at ages, let's call it 65. So they're 55 and 53. So they're 10 to 12 years out from retirement. They've got 1.5 million of assets. They're saving $25,000 a year in their retirement accounts. Some of their expenses will go away in the near term because their kids are are going to become financially independent, but then we're going to add in, oh, maybe they're going to want to travel in retirement. And so we'll add some expenses in for them to have some fun and travel related stuff in retirement. What I can do is we put all this data in. Of course, when I go through it with actual clients, it's ve- I tend to get very, maybe too detailed. No, not too detailed. I tend to get very detailed. I think it's a good thing. I like accurate models, garbage in, garbage out, right? So I like to make sure that my data is good. And then I can have the software start running reports. And there's a lot of different reports we can look at. Of course, I love them all, but I try to focus uh, my clients on reports that they can easily look at and understand. Actually, the software that I use right now, I like this software actually for that reason, because there, there are some visually pleasing type reports that are very easy for people to understand. Like, for example, there's a bar chart that will just show expenses increasing over time and where your money is going to come from to meet those expenses. And if there's a projected shortfall, meaning if it's projected that your money will run out before your life expectancy, then it will just show bright red blocks in the plan. Red is a bad color when you go through the planning process. And so that's just visually easy to understand for people. I like to look at all the numbers in the background and all that stuff, but we can pull some very easy to understand reports. When I run, there's a few reports that I'll run. And again, I don't need to go through the detail on the air, but we can run some reports to see, okay, what does it look like is going to be the, what's the calculated future need from the portfolio? How big is that relative to the size of the future potential portfolio? What's their life expectancy if in this model? I used 85 for one member of the couple and 90 for the other. So we're doing like a 20, 25 year analysis in retirement. And then what's the prob- what are the chances that their money lasts long enough with all this data? And so a lot of reports we can look at, but the, I don't know what I call the end result or the big hurrah at the end is I can run a probability analysis report, which runs 500 to 1,000. It depends on the the inputs I give it. It can run up to 1,000 iterations of one model. And in each year of each of those 1,000 iterations, it can vary rate of return on the money. So actually, let me back up because I, I didn't touch on some of the assumptions that you make when you go through the planning process. A lot of it is just hard data. What do you have for assets? Um, what is your income? How much are you saving? What are you spending monthly on XYZ? What are your tax liabilities? That's like hard data. Those are knowns and maybe they'll change in the future and we can account for that, but they're knowns. There are unknowns or assumptions that we can make educated guesses. What will inflation average going forward? I.e. how will my expenses change in the future? We can make guesses on that. 
what will my money earn on average, right? So if the 401ks are invested or if the non-retirement accounts are invested or even cash right now has earnings, what has my money been earning? What's, and what will it earn going forward? That's not a known, but we can make educated guesses on that. And the software, so that, that variable right there, the rate of return on money is, it, we don't know it, it's hard to know, but again, we can make educated guesses regard based on how people are invested now or how they might be invested in the future. We can use history. Of course, past performance is not indicative of future result, compliance disclosure there. But what that's just the best, the best guess we can make is using historical averages. That's the best guess we can make going forward. It's better than shooting, a, throwing a dart. The software, however, I, I alluded to this earlier in the show, and I'm going to say it again because it is important. If we're assuming, for example, your 401k, this person's client age 55, let's, let's assume I'm putting into the software that the 401k, for example, can average 6% per year in a balanced portfolio in retirement. That's in the realm of, I think, a reasonable assumption in a plan. But <clears throat> the difference between the software that a, that a professional can use and like someone doing a spreadsheet at home, you can spreadsheet a retirement plan. But if you're doing like the spreadsheet type of retirement plan and you're using a 6% per year annual return, that's like a linear, like a fixed 6% per year. It, with the spreadsheet model, it's 6% per year every year. Of course, you can change it to five and run it again or change it to seven and run it again. But it's going to use that same return every year unless you go year by year and vary it. But that's like a linear model and now linear analysis. And, but when you're an investor, anyone who's been an investor knows that your rate of return in any given year could vary quite a bit from that 6% average. It could be up 10 or 12 or 15. It could be down 10 or 12 or 15. It could be zero. It could be 6%. The power in the software is that it can very quickly vary rate of return and it can use like historical averages and historical ranges. And that's pretty powerful because then it can give you, okay, I know we can maybe, we don't know, but we think it can average 6% per year, the 401k, for example, which is a big variable in this person's plan. But we don't know what, what the order of returns is going to be. Are we going to have good years at the beginning and bad years at the end or vice versa? And so the software can run lots and lots and lots of iterations of one plan and vary the rates of return on the money within what I call historically significant bounds. We give the computer that information and it will give a probability of success. So if I look at one report for this client and I look out to age 90 and it looks to me and it's going to draw money from their 401k in the future to meet their expenses. And I look at this chart and I don't see any red. I don't see any projected for shortfall. And I'm assuming a 6% per year average rate of return. But the, the graph, the linear model looks like they have enough money to go to age 90 in this model with all those with, with all the assumptions that I made. But if I run a probability analysis, so now let's vary that 6% up and down. Let's factor in good years and bad years. What, what are the chances that this money lasts to age 90? In this example, 65% chance. That's not fantastic. That's not too far from a 50-50 shot of it not working and money running out. So in other words, that means like in this model, 
If we do, if this person averages 6% per year every year, things are probably just fine. If they have good years at the beginning and bad years toward the end, everything is going to be just fine. But what if we have bad markets at the beginning of this person's retirement? And then even if you have got good markets at the end, this probably won't work. So I like when I go through this and do and run this probability, I like for my clients to have at least... 80, 85, 90% chance that this is going to work. And we can talk about safety nets and fallbacks like equity in the home and things like that. But, but there, therein for me lies like the power in a software-based model versus a spreadsheet-based model. And I've seen some pretty good spreadsheet retirement plans in my career, but it's just, it's easier to manipulate assumptions and rerun and do statistical analysis with the software. Of course, we're running out of time. I always get to the super fun part and I want to do a lot more and we've only got a few more minutes, but just real quickly, if I was going through this with an actual client, then we would start making changes. Okay, 65% isn't great. Let's see what it looks like if you bump your 401k contributions to 12% from 10%. What, what if you can cut back a little bit somewhere, force yourself to save a little bit more? And what does that look like? Does that put you on a better track to retire at age 65 or and or what does it look like at age 66? What does it look like if you start, maybe they get bonuses every year and, and you throw the bonus into your investment account and earmark that for retirement. We would just start manipulating from there and playing around with all different things. And there's a lot of different variables that will change the results for the better and of course for the worse. And I can talk through and know which ones will be the most impactful and then show you right there the, these moves can make this sort of an impact. And it's a pretty fun process. And sometimes I go through this in the model and it doesn't look great and we have to make changes, maybe save more, maybe you spend less, maybe you work another year or two longer. Sometimes it looks great and maybe I have, and maybe I can say you could actually afford to spend more. What if your travel budget was this? You've been talking about that second home. What if we start accounting for that? The model's actually also very sophisticated and that we can can factor in real estate moves. What if you're selling this home and what if you're upsizing? What if you go to a condo that has a condo fee? What if you're taking equity out of the home in some way and how does that manipulate the plan? It can be really enlightening to work through changes to the model. And from my perspective, quite fun. Sometimes things don't look as great as people are hoping and that's not fun, of course, but I always say better better to know now, younger, than find this out six months before you're hoping to retire, right? Better better to do it earlier rather than later. I think ages, I think it's like never too early to start planning for retirement, but mid fifties, if you haven't gotten serious about it and you're in your mid fifties, maybe time to get serious. That's, those are great ages to start. And fifties is an example of an age where there's also probably other things going on in your life, right? A lot of people in their early to mid fifties might have college tuitions either present or in their near future. And we can play and we can factor that in another really cool thing about the software and the modeling process is that we can layer on different goals, right? So I just touched today on the retirement goal that can be complicated in and of itself. But what if you have a high school freshman and we don't know how much college is going to be, but let's start making some guesses. Let's layer that in. And how does that affect your ability to save for retirement? How does it affect your ability to retire at certain ages if you're taking on debt or if you're putting money towards college instead of the 401k? What if you what if there is a real estate move, as I alluded to? So it's 
it can be cool to layer on different goals and very, and I, I think impactful and, help, and helpful for people. So that was fun. I, of course, never get through what I want to get through. So we'll do this again. A thank you to those of you who called in. Do we get one or two volunteers? We got two volunteers. This yes, is awesome. Two. All right. Yeah. So future show in the very near future, I'll be doing this live with actual data that someone submitted. We'll change the names, of course, for anonymity. And we'll do some retirement planning right on the air and solve this for people and hopefully all goes well. It'll be a fun show anyway and hopefully helpful to those people that volunteered. So thank you very much to our volunteers and we will catch uh, that show soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. This has been McNamara on Money. You can find out more about my practice at McNamaraFinancial.com. We also have a Merrimack Valley office, McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a very good weekend. And again, thank you to our volunteers and I will be speaking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.